0: Our first reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I have set before you today life and death, good and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear, and are drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Lord. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you, say, what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen. Today I want to focus on Deuteronomy chapter 30, this. Fourth part of this fourth great sermon that Moses preached to the people of Israel when they were on the west side of the Jordan River and about to enter into the Promised Land. More about that in a moment. But especially the words of Moses where he says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, Therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them. I don't think anyone would have uh, trouble with the uh, uh, imperative choose life. Uh, I think we all want to choose life. But when we think about that, most of the world would, uh, if you were to ask further, well, what does it mean to choose life, would probably say things like, well, you know, you've got to live healthy. You have to eat well. You have to exercise You need to have good mental health. Maybe you need to use some of what people call mindfulness. Or maybe you need some proper drugs and medications and things like that. We might go a little bit further and wider out that somehow we need the help of the government. We need a good economy. We need all things to be in balance and so on. And this is how we will achieve life. But how many people would stop and think about another way to approach that imperative to choose life? As we just sang, from praise to the Lord the Almighty. Praise to the Lord who has fearfully and wondrously made you. Stopping for a moment to ask, well, if I want life, maybe I ought to look to the guy that gave it to me in the first place. Health has bestowed, and when heedlessly falling, has stayed you. What need or grief ever has failed of relief? Wings of His mercy shade you. This is what Moses is asking us to do. If you want to live, then choose life by, and he carefully says this, clinging to God. The Bible always presents our relationship to God as a relationship that He has created, that He has established, just as He created our life, our physical life, so also He creates our faith. This year in our school, our theme is the chosen. We are never in the Bible described as the choosers of God, but rather the chosen of God. Peter said in his first letter, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into light. He's the one who calls us and has brought us into his kingdom and given to us this gift of faith. And yet, the Bible does have many, many verses that talk about actually choosing God. After they crossed into the uh, uh, promised land, Joshua who, Joshua, who would take over from Moses, would literally tell the people, uh, choose today whom you will serve. And we find this in many other plat- passages as well. Moses says in chapter 4, verse 29, but from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find Him, if you search after Him with all your heart and with all your soul. But whenever the Bible uses this language about choosing or searching for God, that language is always applied to believers, to those who have already been called. That language is especially applied to believers who are now going to be surrounded by by those things that would try to separate them from God, those things that would try to bury God and cover Him up and draw us away from God. It's in that situation that we who are called and chosen need to keep seeking the Lord. Many years ago, when I was a pastor in Nebraska, a woman came to me. She had belonged to another denomination, and she wanted to see if I would baptize her baby. She told me that her church wouldn't baptize the baby because they believed that you shouldn't be baptized until you can already make a profession of faith. And really, really in their view, they did take the idea that we do choose God, that we do make a decision for Christ, and so on. So I asked her, why are you coming to me? Why do you want to be baptized? Well, I'm in that church because of my family, but deep down, I never have believed that. And then she said something that was so beautiful and profound, uh, could have come out of the mouth of a great uh, Christian Lutheran theologian if there ever was one. She said this, she said, if there is any choosing or any deciding to be done in the Christian life, it is a choice and it is a decision to continue what God has already done in your life. But God is the one who begins things. And that's why I want my baby to be baptized. Very beautifully said. Very well said. That is the way we start in the Christian faith. And if we want to continue in the Christian faith, then it's important to know how that faith starts. Because that's how it's going to also continue. And this is where we come now to the language that Moses uses of clinging to God, seeking God, choosing life in that way. So what is it that is trying to separate us from God? Now, Again, the people of Israel, this is an amazing moment in the history of this world. God has been forming this nation. It begins with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Jacob. They go down to Egypt, they become a nation down there, they are led by Moses out of Egypt into the wilderness. There they spend 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, and their tents are beautifully arranged around a tent that's in the middle, and this is what you might call God's tent called the tabernacle in the Bible. This is where God met with Moses and Aaron, and this is where the Ten Commandments were, and this is where God's glory would be shown to Israel. For 40 years, every morning when they opened their tent doors, they saw the glory of God. Every evening when they closed their tents and went to sleep, the last thing they saw was the glory of God. They had no enemies out there in the wilderness except for nature, And God was always providing manna and quail for them along that journey. But they didn't have any enemies. There were no temptations. There were no other nations uh, that were bothering them out there. But now things were going to change. They were entering into this land that God had promised. And there were already nations living there. Nations who worshipped other gods and God knew that this would become a great temptation to Israel and that this nation that He had created, that He had begun, that He had formed, now many efforts would be underway to separate them from God. And so it is also for us in our Christian life. God begins that life in us, but immediately as we come to faith in God, in Jesus, there are three major things that are going to work at trying to separate us from God. The number one thing, of course, is the devil himself. He tore himself away from God. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 3.6 that it was because of pride. It was simply his desire to be God rather than to let God be God and to worship and honor Him. Now, I know our world thinks that the devil is silly We recently had uh, Grammy Awards, you may have heard about this guy dancing around in a devil costume, and people are moving now in our country away from thinking the devil is silly uh, to actually thinking this this is something to be embraced. But I want to warn the world and everyone who would listen to my voice to know how serious this is, there is one that Jesus calls the evil one. Devil. Diabolos. Deceiver. Satan. Satan. The accuser. And John in the the Apocalypse calls him the Apollyon. The destroyer. He does everything the opposite that God does. And if you don't think he is real, then think about it this way. Take a step back from the world we live in. We know even as we can see this globe from outer space, that the planet we live on is unique. It is beautiful. Blue, green, white clouds, a planet that is thriving with life when every other planet around us, as far as we can see, is dead. And yet, why is this the one that is thriving with life? Because of God. He created this world and He created us and He created this life. And yet when you come down into this planet and you see what's going on, you now realize there's something dreadfully wrong here. In a planet that is so well created for life, why is there so much death and dying and suffering? Why has it been from the beginning of time that people have been clubbing and stabbing and spearing and beating and burning to death? Trillions and trillions of people The first family suffered this with uh, their two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel, not because like an animal he was hungry and needed something to eat, but because of the devil. Because he hated his brother Abel. Because Abel loved God and because Cain did not love God and Cain hated God and that's what the devil hates and that is exactly The first enemy of our faith that is always working against us. The other one, the second one, that is the enemy of faith would be all those who are the disciples of the devil. This is especially the ones that Moses was concerned about. All these different nations that would now be surrounding the people of Israel. All their different gods. All their different beliefs. All their Temptations and lures that they would try to use to draw the people of Israel away. We too are surrounded by many like that. They really deep down hate God. And they will oppose anything that we do to show that we actually love God. And that brings us to the third enemy of faith that the Bible always speaks of even if the devil were to cash it in tomorrow, even if all of his disciples were to say, that's it, we're not going to try to separate people from God anymore, we would still have one last enemy. And that is one that's very serious. I'll call this our devilish desires that are always at work inside of us. It's important to recognize this and to realize this. In fact, you know you are a Christian if you have this war going on inside of you at all times. You heard Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, how powerful He explains the law, how there is no way to escape the condemnation of the law. The whole purpose of that Sermon on the Mount is to help us in this war with our devilish desires by bringing us to repentance and by following Jesus to the cross and to see how in His death. And that is the only way possible that those desires as well can be overcome and be put to death through His life, through His forgiveness, through His great love for us. Those are the enemies of faith. And this is why Moses urges the people to firmly cling to Him. Let's unpack that a little bit last of all. Moses actually gives three responses in chapter 30 verse 20, he says, love the Lord your God, hear his voice and cling to him because he is your life. I like to think about loving God, but the only way I can think about loving God is when I think about him first loving me. This is the way John says it. We love him because he first loved us. I don't think I would love God at all. I would probably be angry with God if I didn't know he loved me so much if I didn't realize how patient He has been with me, how many stupid things I've done, how many rebellious things I have done, and yet He still loves me, He still gives His Son to me for my salvation, that, when I contemplate that, when I think about that, that is what causes me to love God. Hearing His voice. As many times this comes up in the Old Testament especially. Hear, O Israel. And Jesus says the same thing. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again in John 20. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Paul, Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We are here today to be with God, and to hear these scriptures, and to be reminded of them, and see them being applied to our lives. And that finally brings us to this great thing that Moses is saying, cling to God. Cling. This is the exact same word that Moses uses in Genesis chapter 2. When he describes there the marriage of Adam and Eve. And says that a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, cling to his wife. The two, he says, shall become one flesh. This is God's clinging to us ultimately. I have this daydream thing that I use a lot. I think about it. I've shared it with people, especially people who are dying. And they've told me that it it is comforting to them. But I picture myself as a weak person stumbling along, having trouble, getting one foot in front of the other in my life. And I'm getting weaker and weaker as the years go on. I have my arm around this guy that I'm holding on to. That guy is Jesus. I can't see his face because I'm looking down at the ground. But I can hear his voice. And I can hear and know his encouragement. But the other thing that's more important than that, of even my arm around him, is his arm around me. And that's what I'm leaning on. And that's the only way I'm moving forward. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I love the saying of the famous Baptist pastor from England, Charles Spurgeon. In Latin, he said it, et teneo, et teneor. I hold, hold on to God, I hold on to God as He holds on to me. This is how we cling to God. And this is how we are clinging to God right now. We seek Him in this worship service as we seek Him in all of our lives because He first sought us. Abraham wasn't seeking God when God called him. The fishermen that we heard about recently in our gospel lessons, Peter, James, and John, they weren't seeking Jesus when He came to call them to be disciples. Saul of Tarsus was not seeking God on the road to Damascus, but God was seeking Him. Jeremiah said to the people of Israel, uh, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. You know you have found the true God when you have found the one who all along has been seeking you and holding you. You and I cling to him as he clings to us in Christ. Amen.